Welcome to Tabletop Journal's Seat Yourself podcast series on the hospitality tabletop industry. Now, here's your host, Dave Turner. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to our Seat Yourself podcast. I'm Dave Turner, and I'm your host here at Seat Yourself. And of course, everybody knows by now that Seat Yourself is our weekly podcast where we cover all the news, all the items, anything of interest, and anything that's relevant to the food service and hospitality industry. This is episode number 118 of Seat Yourself, and it's published the week of June 7th, 2021. And once again, we're back in Studio A of the Tabletop Journal Studios right here in beautiful Baltimore on America's East Coast. And this week, we've got a fascinating guest, a guest who's a leader in an equally fascinating organization. In today's episode, we'll be joined by Ed Grichalski. Ed is the Senior Vice President of Branding for the Junior Achievement Organization. Now, I know that like many of you, I've heard of Junior Achievement, and I sort of know what the organization's all about, but I thought now would be a great time to learn more about this longstanding organization and why it may be more important and relevant to our industry now than ever before. Given the food service and hospitality industry's current situation with respect to labor and its longer-term issue of the ability to attract top young talent into our industry, I thought it'd be great to bring Ed on and have him discuss the incredible successes that his organization, Junior Achievement, is having and has been having for a long time now, for many decades now, as they positively impact young people about personal finance and introduce them to the world of business. And so, with all of that, let's welcome to Seat Yourself, Junior Achievements, Ed Grichalski. And everybody, please give a big warm welcome, a warm Seat Yourself welcome to Mr. Ed Grichalski. And Ed, before we get started, I want to ask you, is that the correct pronouncement of your last name? Uh, it's Grachalski, but Grachalski is pretty close. I kind of go by Pretty that. close. That's better than I usually do. Usually, I really butcher them. Yeah, so no, that's good. anyway, it's a pleasure having you with us today. Before we get started, I know, I know we've got a lot of listeners out there who may be aware of the term junior achievement and understand that it's an organization of, that helps young people in some way, but probably most people don't really know how it actually works. So if you could go through that a little bit, that would probably lay a nice groundwork for the rest of our conversation. Sure thing. So Junior Achievement is the world's leading nonprofit economic educational organization uh, for kids. And when we talk about kids, we talk about students really in K through 12. So uh, everywhere from kindergarten to high school. And the organization actually celebrated its centennial in 2019. It was started in 1919 really as a response to the migration of uh, Americans from rural America to the cities. And at the time, you know, a lot of young people, uh, when they were finishing high school, would you know enter the, the workforce without having a lot of skills. And so at the time, it was really around teaching kids how to run a business. That was our primary focus really up until about 1975. Around that time, we started then incorporating things like work readiness and financial literacy to our mission as an organization, which we continue to do today. And we reach, um, you know, prior to the pandemic, we were reaching close to 5 million students a year with 250,000 volunteers, primarily from the business community. And lots of interest in, in ramping up uh, as we come into the, the new school year with some of the restrictions being lifted. So looking forward to that. You know, one of the things that's amazing to me, you just flashed through some some pretty 
incredible statistics, I think. When I heard the number 250,000 volunteers, that's, that's pretty extraordinary, isn't it? Yeah, we're actually one of the larger youth or volunteer-based organizations out there, which I don't think a lot of people know. Um, if you look at other organizations, primarily in the youth development space, they, they have a lot of volunteers as well. But I think we're, we're certainly up there near the top. Yeah, and, and, and how many kids did you say you, you're, you're impacting uh, or involved in your program? Yeah, so we had uh, close to 5 million people, uh, 5 million students a year prior to the pandemic. Last year, we had around 3 million. Obviously, we were impacted a bit by the school closures and virtual and remote learning. But, again, we're looking to to ramp back up. But, yeah, it's been – we have had, I think, since the beginning of Junior Achievement, probably around 130 to 140 million people have gone through our programs over over 100 years that have existed. So a lot lot of impact. Those kinds of numbers, 5 million – 250,000 volunteers, 5 million uh, kids helped and uh, really positively impacted. Are there any other organizations that are doing those kinds of th- numbers? I mean, just impu- I, I, I'm not talking about quality for, for a second here. We'll talk about quality in a minute. But the quantity of imp- and the numbers that you're impacting, really, I mean, I'm astounded by them. Yeah, I mean, I think when it, specifically when it comes to what we do, and, and again, when we talk about financial literacy, career readiness, entrepreneurship, a lot of it is around life skills and uh, marketable skills and things like that. In terms of an organization that does what we do on the scale that we do, I don't think there really is a comparison. Um, obviously, you have great organizations out there like Boys and Girls Club and the Scout, you know, Scout and Girl Scout Sports Scout, yeah. reaching a lot of kids. But specifically what we do, I don't think there's really one that's that. No, and, 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 and I love that when you talk about financial, you use the term financial literacy. I, I think that's really an important piece because so many you know young people today, I, I know when I was growing up, I grew up in a rural part of New England. and I, I, I just know there was really no way to learn uh, about something as simple as a checking account other than my what my parents taught me. And, and frankly, growing up as a teen, I'm not sure I was listening too close to what my parents were trying to tell me. I would have listened to maybe some other adult tell me exactly the same thing. But financial literacy, and, and it's changing so fast. Well, we, you know, we talk about financial literacy as the other literacy. You know, we, we, our education system is, is really set up to teach kids in grades K through 12 about reading and literature and English and grammar and everything else. When it comes to financial literacy, money is something we deal with every day. And for most of Americans, they're lucky to even get an optional semester in high school. And, and that's, that's actually my personal experience when I was in high school back in the 80s. I had a one semester career class and they kind of lumped everything in, not just jamming in, jamming in. You're supposed to swallow it. And then all of a sudden you've been anointed. You know it all. You know nothing. I mean, it's just great. Yeah. I mean, and when you talk about compound interest, I mean, there's, there's concepts out there that literally can't just be done in one semester. You, you really have to have a a, a multi-year approach. And that's what junior achievement does. We have what we call a pathways approach. So it's financial literacy, career readiness and, and, entrepreneurship. And so it's it's multi-grade, everything that we offer. So kids can be exposed multiple times. And our research shows that those alumni who went through multiple engagements with junior achievement, the concepts, you know, have stickiness. They, they certainly are applying them in their daily lives today as adults. And so it's certainly um, very critical. And then it's really, it's interesting because we, we had these conversations internally as a society, we're really geared, there, there was really an expectation and obligation to know how to do these things in our society. It's very difficult to function and be successful if you don't know these things. And yet we don't teach them. But you're supposed to know it. You're supposed to know it. And what ends up happening, and we refer to it as the lost decade, young people hit the workplace around, you know, 20, early 20s. And it takes them really a decade to kind of figure it out through trial and error. 
And so what ends up happening is you're not putting away for retirement. You accumulate a lot of student debt. You're putting off buying a home, putting off starting a family. It's, it's, it's a real challenge. And, and we're trying to eliminate that decade. We're trying to make it to where kids come out of high school. They're about as prepared as they can be to make really informed decisions about higher education or career or whether or not they want to start a business. And if they do, how, how they might be more inclined to be successful at it. We talked about the numbers before being the quantity, kind of the quantitative, the obje- objective. What about the subject? How do you measure success? So we have a few different ways we do it. We actually have a, a model that's based on, it's, this is going to get really kind of wonky. It's the um, theory of planned behavior. It's actually a psychological model that has been used in public health for decades, going back to the mid-70s. And what we can do, it's a predictive measure. And so what we do is we assess knowledge, attitude, and skills in terms of intentionality for a certain outcome. And, and that's kind of a real-time way to assess it. We're also doing things like, again, we do alumni research, so it's kind of a, a retrospective study. We're in the process of working on some things with school districts with uh, data sharing agreements to where we can actually do some more uh, longitudinal studies, causation. So we have lots of evidence that it's having a positive impact. Obviously, we always want more, and those are some of the things that we're continuing to work on. I'm stunned by the numbers for sure, and it makes sense that uh, you're you're measuring the quality of the program. So, when you say uh, the alumni, uh, is that an ongoing thing that you never really stop measuring, even all through someone's career, or are you just five years out you measure it, three years out after 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 they graduate from high school, that kind of thing. Yeah. So one of the things, so the way we do it is, again, it's a retrospective study. So we do a, we do a national sample and then pull in folks who or who would participate in junior achievement. So we go through a whole series of questions uh, related to where they are in life and, and that. And then we kind of throw in the junior achievement part at the end uh, to not disqualify who we're looking at. One of the biggest challenges, and this is where we're going at with the, the longitudinal data, you know, there's a lot of restrictions on personal data in school. FERPA, COPA, a few other things. And so what we're doing is with this data sharing agreement, we're able to, to get this aggregate data from the school. So we're able to tra- track like a student number over years. And that, that's something that we're working on right now. So that, that's the ideal model. And again, that's something we are working on. Being you work pretty closely with the schools, so the, the, both the high school, elementary schools and uh, middle schools. Yeah, we have a really great relationship with, I mean, countless school districts across the country. That's really one of the ways we approach it. If we come in at the district level and, and figure out ways that we can help these these schools, you know, address some of the challenges that they're facing. One of the things is our curriculum aligns with state standards and national standards when it comes to these things. So the whole idea is that it, it, it fits in with what the teachers are already teaching. And we, we hear that feedback from teachers all the time. It's that it, it totally reinforces everything my kids have just gone through in terms of the class on these concepts. And so we have a great relationship with schools across the country and, and always looking forward to, to finding new ways to work with them. And are most of the years, the participants in the program, are they of high school age, middle school age, elementary school age? Where Where does the bulk of the population of uh, your participants, where people that participate in junior students go? So, yeah, so of the 5 million, say it's probably around 3 million are in that elementary level, and then the 1.5 million are kind of in the middle and high school level. There's a lot of interest, obviously, in engaging at the middle and high school level. But, you know, the kind of way we look at it, there's, there's two real critical times in an academic life for a kid. So third grade and eighth grade. And you, you see all the studies around that. Those are kind of the, the two big points on, on 
where they decide to do terms of education going forward. And so we try to get our uh, materials in front of the kids prior to third grade and also eighth grade. Eighth grade is called the middle school slump. That's when the peer pressure starts kicking in. It's like, oh, you're you're a geek and stuff like that. And it starts to force some kids out through peer pressuring into you know who were before were really good academically. With the third grade, it's more along the lines of they, they start to lose interest if they're not getting it. One of the things that we really try to do with our programming is, is show kids the connection between what they're learning in school and how it'll apply in life. And so we tell, you know, here are the three R's, reading, writing, arithmetic. Well, we believe we're delivering the fourth R, which is relevance. We want the kids to understand what they're learning and how it will eventually apply to them in life. And, and that's a really a critical thing. So we're trying to provide context because a lot of these a lot of what you learn in school can be very abstract if you don't know how to apply it. I mean, from my personal experience, I was always I always had challenges with math. But when I was in high school, I was in Votech and and did it as part of electronics, and I understood the context. Um, I was able to do it better. That we're trying to provide that context for kids. Have there been programs not junior achievement, but uh, haven't school districts over the course of time? Uh, I, I remember something I want to call it distributive education. It was called uh, maybe. Aren't there other programs that uh, that sort of veer into that area, but obviously not as deep as what you're doing? But yeah, no. There's a lot of again a lot of great organizations out there. Skills USA, DECA, uh, FBLA. In a lot of cases, the, the difference between us and and some of those programs is that it's not a, we're not a club, we're not an opt-in. It's part of your regular curriculum. So that, that could be one thing that differentiates, but we have plenty of situations across the country where we have worked with those organizations as part of our programming. We've had the kids who have gone on to be really successful adults who credit both us and that and some of those other organizations. I think it's all, all great stuff. I've got to say a hundred years, uh, that's pretty impressive. And over the course of that time, I'm, I suspect that the mission and in particularly the execution of that mission, uh, has changed quite a bit as business obviously has changed, particularly in the last five or 10 years. The business of business is not what it used to be at all. No, it's it's interesting. So our original program, the JA Company program, and that's the one. If people have heard of Junior Achievement, probably most remember us by us, where the kids. It was an after-school program, and it still is. We still have it uh, available to students. But after-school program where kids start a business and they make a product or come up with a service, and you know a lot of what would they would do is go door to door and sell you know whatever the product is or, or sell it through their schools. Uh, that was our, our primary model up until 1975. About six or seven years ago, we decided to update that program. And what was really interesting was, you know, as good as the the program was, we, we had things like the first thing you do is you sell stock in your company. So as you know, most people bootstrap, <laughs> you, know, you get private equity. There's a, there's a million way, go fund yeah. There's a million ways to, to get. You could your, do that for adults too, by the way. Right, right. And so we really shifted it into a more of a startup mindset around it. And we also integrated things like social enterprise because a lot of kids are really into, okay, I want to start a business, but I also want to do good with my business. So um, put a lot of those elements into it. So really modernized it, use digital delivery for a lot of the content. Obviously, a lot of it is hands-on still. A lot of it is the product or the service and selling and all that stuff. But we also have a lot of digital components to it to make it you know more relatable for young people. I mean, typically, you know, kids aren't always quite as excited to open a book as they are to go on a computer screen. Um, unfortunately, some still are, but uh, we wanted to make sure that we offer it in different ways. So different kids, you know, as you, you've heard, kids learn differently. People learn differently. Well, we wanted to offer it in, in a variety of ways to, to reach everybody. 
Yeah, I think it's particularly during pandemic. Obviously, the digital delivery—you've uh, been—you've <laughs> gotten a big boost in that, and 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 everybody's sort of everybody, whether you're in school or in a, or in business, you've gotten used to doing things digitally, and and we'll see where where all that goes. But I don't think that's ever going to go away. It's it's certainly going to—it may recede a little bit, but now more and more. Uh, that's the way of the life is going to be. Uh, we're going to take a break here in a minute, and but I want to uh, I want to get into since our listening audience in the second segment of, of today's podcast, I want to get into a little bit about how hospitality and food service operators, which are really desperate right now for labor, labor for talent in general, they've they've been in that situation for a while, but now uh, and particularly it's it's very acute, and I want to get into that a little bit more. But we're with Ed. Let me get this right, Grachowski. All right. I only butchered it twice. That's pretty good for me. The C is silent. It's a little tricky. Yeah. Yeah. It is. uh, Everything's tricky for me. You have to know that. I I do the best I can, but normally I end up really tearing it up. So we're with Ed Grakowski, Senior Vice President of Brand for the Junior Achievement Organization, big hitter for Junior Achievement. And we're learning all about what a fantastic organization it is. And we're going to be right back with some more. And we're going to get into some specifics of the hospitality and food service in the next segment. This episode of Seat Yourself is sponsored in part by the Edward Don and Company. Everything but the food for nearly 100 years. And if you have not yet signed up for Tabletop Journal's bi-monthly newsletter, now would be a great time to do so. Go to tabletopjournalnewsletter.com. It's a quick and easy sign up and a great way to stay on top of all the important going-ons in the world of hospitality tabletop. That's tabletopjournalnewsletter.com. Now, back to our podcast. And welcome back, everybody. Uh, we're, today, we're talking to Ed Grakowski, uh, Senior Vice President of Brand for Junior Achievement. And we just got some really incredible numbers from Ed. Ed, I'm still stuck on that. Five million people impacted annually pre-pandemic and 250,000 volunteers. Amazing statistics for a junior achievement organization. Yeah, I mean, it, again, a lot of this is is the result of support from the business community. They're actually one of our primary supporters. And, and folks sometimes ask us, so how do the schools get the programs? Well, the schools don't have to pay for them for the most part. Uh, it's actually provided through the funding of a lot of businesses, both at the national level and, and at the community level. So we're really fortunate to have that level of support. And again, a lot of those businesses is their employees who volunteer. So it's really been a great partnership between business and education. And we're really fortunate to have that kind of support. That drives two questions actually for me to hear that again. Is number one, how about how do you go about getting the kids initially involved in junior achievement? So primarily, it is offered as part of regular school day. We do have the after-school program, and we do have a few initiatives where kids can opt in to become involved with it. And a lot of that is word of mouth and marketing and things like that. But for most of the students, it's really part of their regular class day. And so for elementary school, we have what we call JA in a day where a business, say, will adopt an elementary school for the day and their volunteers will come in and deliver all of our elementary school programming in that day to those students. It's one of our really uh, popular delivery methods of the program. You know, when you start getting in the middle of high school, then you start getting into social studies and economics classes, businesses, things like that. And and we, we really dovetail into a lot of those courses, uh, career readiness. A lot of them are, are using programs like that. So we really tie into a lot of what the kids are already learning. But again, providing some additional con- context and really help underscoring the relevance of why they're in school and, and how it will ultimately uh, benefit them. 
Well, the second part of my question would be is how do you get the businesses themselves involved? Is that a little more tricky? You know, it, it really isn't. I mean, we have had a lot of really good partnerships over the years. And again, part of it is word of mouth. We do a lot of outreach uh, in the community, uh, you know, junior team in a lot of our area office. We have 105 offices across the country. And those folks that, that work in those offices are involved in chambers of commerce, SHRM, groups like that, where they're able really to connect with the business community. Again, we've just fostered a lot of these long-term relationships. And we have some relationships going back, you know, 100 years, AT&T would be an example. HSBC, you know, we started with them back in the 1940s before they were HBSC. Um, so there, there's a lot of uh, Bank of America. You know, there's a lot of them that we've just had these really long-term but relationships. It's, but it's not just big corporations. It's no. smaller, uh, what I would call community businesses too, right? Uh, lots of community businesses. Yeah, lots of, you know, accounting firms, financial services, a lot of hospitality businesses are very much involved with junior achievement at the local level. I would envision if I was a small community entrepreneur, whether what, no matter really almost whatever kind of business, particularly if I had a service business, I couldn't think of a better way to reach households in my community than to be participating in the development of the youth and the financial literacy education, let's call it, of the the people, the youth of that particular community. I would think that would be a very, very, if I was a business person in that kind of mode, maybe a retail shop, uh, maybe an accountant, maybe uh, a restaurateur even, you know, that would be a great vehicle, I think, to get my business known and trusted. Well, it is. And in our alumni research shows that actually a significant portion of students who've been through junior achievement as adults remember the name of the business the volunteer was from. And actually one in five students ended up working in their volunteer's profession at some point. And so, so yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. And so if you're a restaurateur or, or um, whatever business you're running, if you come in and, and, and do junior achievement, there's a chance that a couple of those kids will end up doing that as adults. So it's a really positive outcome. Tell us about the summer job survey that your organization just published. Yeah, so we conducted a, a summer job survey with Engine Insights, which is a research firm, and uh, a thousand teens. These are general population students, not junior achievement students, between the ages of 13 and 18. And we wanted to get, get an idea of what their plans are for, were for the summer in terms of summer jobs. Um, we've, we've actually done this survey over the years, so this isn't the first time we've done it. One of the reasons why we do it, you know, again, we we focus on work readiness. And for most teens working in restaurants, hospitality is the first job. And what we discovered is that this year, 68% of teens, 16 and 17 year olds are planning to work this summer, which is on par with the What was the number again? 20, Say it again. 68%. 68% folks. Did you hear that? Yeah. 68%. So when you think of young people as not having initiative, perhaps, or maybe it's hard to find help, 68% of them want to work. Yeah, they do. And and that compares to 69% in 2019, which is right before the pandemic. Uh, we didn't do it last year because we just assumed nobody was working <laughs> or, it was, or it was very reduced. So, so again, I mean, given all the news we're hearing about the workforce shortages. I think there's going to be lots of teens out there that are certainly interested in doing this. Restaurant hospitality is, is their top uh, or one of their top jobs that they're looking, planning to have. That's on par with retail. Again, great first jobs. Um, my first job was working at a Sonic drive-in. I think a lot of people have had similar um, experiences to that. So again, I think it's a lot of interest. The other thing that is kind of interesting, and we did a lot of research back in 2008 uh, during the Great Recession, and what you saw happen with the Great Recession was the summer jobs were impacted because a lot of adults were taking those jobs back then because there wasn't a lot of 
unemployment was so bad and long term. And we had unemployment this time around, but it, it's kind of receded. I don't think we're going to see that given the amount of demand there is from, from employers. So I think you're going to see a lot of teens in the workplace this summer. Yeah, I mean, I mentioned it, uh, touched on it briefly, is that right now, one of the major challenges is in the hospitality, the food service business overall, and, and um, that's hotels, restaurants, but it's also senior living, uh, um, uh, B&I feeders, like people like Sodexo, Compass, people like that. They're all struggling to find talent. To me, it's a short-term we need, we need somebody to show up tomorrow to work. But it's also a longer term issue because really the food service business has struggled, I think, for not that there aren't great leaders within the food service business, but we could, like every other industry, we could use more of them. There's a third component, and that's the one that, that my background is most familiar with, and that's the supplier side. People don't often uh, recognize that most of the people that I talk to with on the supply side, whether, whether you're a vendor uh, in the distribution supply chain side or you're a manufacturer trying to sell your products into this enormous food service business, most of those people got their start just like you said, in a restaurant, in a hotel, at a very low level. Mine was washing dishes. Actually, it was washing pots and pans because they wouldn't let me. You had to graduate up to the the actual breakable uh, plates. But the point really here is there is a demand right now, an acute demand for labor and and talent long-term. If I'm in the restaurant business, I'm in the hotel business, or whether I'm a corporate chain or an independent operator, how do I get involved with junior achievement? Well, again, we've got 105 offices across the country. Uh, if you go to ja.org, there's a way to find junior achievement in your community. It's it's reaching out and having that conversation. I will say, and one of the things that we've discovered with work and career exploration is, you know, kids don't know what they don't know. And unless they're exposed to the other jobs within those industries, they don't really understand that they exist. I mean, they're basically you know, the interaction that a kid has, so they understand they're, they're thinking of the person that, you know, working at the cash register or the waiter or the waitress, they're not seeing the rest of what goes on behind the scenes. And so having a program like Junior Achievement, we actually have one called Job Shadow, where we bring teenagers into a workplace so they can see all the various jobs and get an understanding of, of you know, what might be of interest. So again, you're talking about all the jobs that support it. I mean, you're talking about uh, marketing, finance, and, and all these other, you know, uh, operations, purchase managers, supply, all that, that they have no idea even exists in these businesses. And so it's a great opportunity to really expose young people to that. There's so many components to probably every industry. But again, we focus on the food service, the hospitality business primarily. But there's so many components within that, the supply chain thing, logistics, product development, marketing, design, you know, and, and that's just on the, what I will call not even, that, that doesn't talk about the customer facing positions within that. Those are sort of, as you just described, behind the scenes things that you don't know what you don't know if you're, if you're a young, young person in high school or whatever. So it's great that you do those kinds of things. And, and from the operator side, to me, it sounds like, number one, you got people that are motivated and want to work. Two-thirds of the, uh, of the people you surveyed want to work. That positive reinforcement is coming from your people, organizations like Junior Achievement. And you've got a motivated, semi-skilled, let's say, or at least entry-level skills person. Uh, boy, it seems like a natural fit. Yeah, you know, even though we talk about work readiness and financial literacy and entrepreneurship, the other elements that come out of our programs, leadership skills, uh, soft skills, 
communication, creative problem solving, showing up on time. I mean, that's what's really funny is, you know, we ask employers, well, what's what's the most important skill that you want? So somebody who shows up on time. <laughs> it's as basic as, and those are the kinds of things that we cover in our in our curriculum. It's like, look, you need to you need to show up on time. You need to be ready to go. These are the things that you need to do going through the interview process and putting a resume together and all that. So a lot of that is covered in in our our programming. So the kids are you know a bit further along when they go into the to the employment situation. I'll tell you uh, I'll tell you a little sidebar story Ed, is that I had my own company, small light manufacturing company, porcelain decorating company for ten plus years. And when we would be interviewing entry level candidates and typically right out of high school or or you know not far out of high school, go through the interview process with the supervisors and all that. And I would come along and I would say, I have two questions for you. And the questions are, number one, are you going to show up on time? And you just sit there and you wait for the answer. And, and, and they look at you like you have six heads, but I'm just waiting for the end. Of, of course, I'm going to show up on time. Okay, great. Right, right, yeah. Got that. You pass that test. Second question is, are you going to do the assigned tasks that your supervisor, whatever that task may be, are you going to do those jobs to the best of your ability on that given day? Well, yeah. Okay, good. So now four weeks later, six weeks later, whatever it is, I could come back and say, listen, I have the answers to the questions that I asked you in the interview. Were you going to show up on time and you've been late six times? Right. How does that work? <laughs> What's up with that? And, and so you're right. The idea of it, particularly entry level and first level jobs, you're learning how to be responsible to show up for a job. And what I suspect the, the, the people that have been involved in junior achievement, they're way down the road on those kinds of things. Yeah, I think they are for the most part. Again, those have been all things that have been addressed. You know, obviously, the, the real world experience and the value of work is incredible because, you know, you say, well, I'm going to be there on time and I'm going to do what I'm assigned. And then you have that time where you have to clean something that's disgusting <laughs> or, or mop something that's disgusting. And you have to go through that process. It, you know, there, there's a lot of value in that understanding. You know, you're given an assignment, you do it. At the end of the day, you actually are better for it. And, and that's you know, it, it, it's funny you say that because everybody that's ever owned a small business has done those things. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's just a part of life. If you're an entrepreneur, I was an entrepreneur for a while. And, and it's all the, you know, you, you hire somebody and they say, well, I don't want to do it. I said, well, here's the thing. If you don't do it, I have to do it. So I'm hiring you to do it. I'll do it. But if I have to do it, then. Then why do I need you? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well. Let's talk about some of the success stories you've got out of the Junior Achievement Program. And if you've got some in the food service or hospitality industry, I, that, that might be very interesting for, for our listeners. Yeah. So in terms of our, our success stories, I mean, they really run the gamut in terms of the students. I mean, we've got a student, Jaquela Dixon, isn't really in the food service industry, but she's a, an entrepreneur going to TCU right now. She and her mom were actually homeless at one point, living in their car. And she got involved with junior achievement in high school and started a business called Feel the Color which was inspired by her aunt who is blind. I don't know if most people realize this, but when you're blind or hard of seeing, it's very difficult to color coordinate your clothing. And she came up with a braille tag, but it was it's a soft braille. And there's also a couple of other things she's done with it to where if you don't know how to read braille, you can still tell which color your clothing is so you can color coordinate. She actually got some initial investment in it and something you know we see her pursuing down the road. We've got... Um, That's kind of that social impact that you were talking about, do, do good. Yeah, social impact. And then we have lots of lots of students who've gone through who have ended up. Actually, uh, we do have a an alum who is working at Papa John's. She credits JA for her success. 
senior management in the company. We have other others who've worked at like uh, Buca de Beppo and, and Outback Steakhouse. Taco Bell uh, is a huge partner with us. And we've had some people who've come up through there and who are in Taco Bell. Chick-fil-A is another one. So lots of, lots of partners who work in this space. Those are great organizations, all of them uh, that you've mentioned. I mean, in terms of career pathing and uh, skill set, one of the things that young people are entry-level uh, workers coming into the into the job market may not immediately recognize is that that sometimes I wouldn't say the bar is low but but sometimes there's such a demand for talent in the restaurant business for instance that if you do your job and do it reasonably well or or, or really well there's almost no limit to what what you can do and and where you can go and if you, again keeping things flexible I mean these the change now are international so you can if you if you want to travel, you have the opportunities to work literally all over the world. Yeah, it's one of those things that when young people are exposed to the opportunities that are there. And again, it's like I think with anything and one of the things I think we try to deliver is that you do a good enough job with anything. Opportunities will present themselves. And I think we really try that drive that home with kids. It's it's not, well, I'm just going to do this job and get this money and, and that's it. We try to really put some context around, again, the, the importance of work and the value of work. And that effort really does align with where you're going to go in life. And a lot of our volunteers deliver that message quite frequently. Or one of the great things that we hear from the volunteers is they always start out like, hey, when I was 17, sitting in a classroom, this is what I was thinking. This is what I thought I was going to do. And this is let me share with you how my life ended up being totally different from that because of the experiences I had and some of the choices I made. I think that can be very impactful, especially if the, the, the volunteers are relatable to the kids, which I think is really important. And it sort of personalizes things, too. Uh, it, it isn't just, uh, oh, this faceless, nameless company. It's 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 Ed with this chain or Dave mm-hmm. with another chain and who's coming in and relaying real-world experiences. And I worked in that particular restaurant or that business. I do think that that ability to, to relate probably, I would guess, is a huge driver. And, and I know young people also, they, while they don't want to be lectured to, I never did, but you still want to learn and you want to learn from people that care about you or you have that feeling that they care. So what would you suggest? I know you talked about contacting the the 105 offices that your organization has around the country, but is there anything else you could suggest for somebody in the hospitality or, or, or food service business who says, sounds interesting, I might like to get involved in junior achievement? What would they, What should they do? Yeah. Well, again, if you want to reach out to a local JA office, there's a lot of different, again, opportunities to, to you know, I, I mentioned the job shadow program where you can have kids come into your into your workplace. We have uh, different programs like JA Inspire. Uh, we do it both as an in-person event and as a virtual event where you can actually share what your business is doing within the community, what opportunities might be there. It's kind of like a, a super powered career fair. We have, again, getting into the classroom and volunteering. We also, if you're a small business, we have we call JA Launch Lesson, which is specifically set up for uh, entrepreneurs to come in and share their experiences. So if you've started your own um, hospitality company, restaurant, that's a great opportunity to share your experience with young people too. But the main thing is just really find ways to engage with them because, you know, coming back to the thing of you don't know what you don't know, kids are, <laughs> kids are only going to learn so much, you know, scrolling on TikTok, you know, I mean, there's something about that interpersonal relationship. And, and that's our data has shown that too. One of the biggest impacts that we see is as great as the virtual volunteering remote and, and all those things. So we, we need to do that. We need to expand our engagement with students. Probably the most impactful thing is that in-person, interpersonal connection with people who they see really as a, 
you know, they don't see him as a volunteer. They see him as a mentor and a role model. And, and that's critically important. Oftentimes we talk about food and beverage and, and how important it is to make that, that, that connection. And, and, and Lord knows during the pandemic, that's one of the, the, the real losses for society around the world is this lack of connection, whatever. But in this case, what we're talking about is not only connecting with the organization, but really engaging and bringing the experience of your business, whatever it is, to these young folks and letting them find out what they don't know. They may know all about Taco Bell's menu, but do they really know what goes into the running of a Taco Bell or, or from the supplier side, the companies that supply these kinds of chains or these, these hospitality organizations? Because I think there's another – one of the things that I believe the supply chain people, whether they be distributors uh, – and, and the food service business is, is really built around distribution. But the, even the manufacturers of products that go through that distribution that supply chain, they're all hungry for good young talent that they can develop and, and, and can uh, work with and the people who want to get ahead. I think there's lots of opportunity in the food service and hospitality trade. So future of junior achievement as we go forward, how do you see uh, you guys are uh, see seemingly uh, very nimble, very agile for a hundred organ, a hundred year old organization. Where do you go from here? Well, I mean, that's, you know, we're, we're going through that process right now. Obviously we're, we're, we've had a lot of interesting innovations that have happened over the past year. So we're going through the process of figuring out how do we really leverage that technology and some of the things we've learned going forward. Uh, you know, our goal is always to continue to expand. Five million seems like a lot. If we would love it if it was 10 million. You know, that that's our goal. We're always trying to find ways to grow and make sure that those experiences are really impactful. What we don't want to do is do something that's very superficial or slight. We want something that's going to be life-changing. That's really going to be our focus going forward. So we're seeing a lot of, of that happening uh, in terms of our planning. This is going to be a very busy summer for us, really figuring out where we go from here. We have a, actually a, a conference next month where we're going to be tackling a lot of these issues. But we're doing some research with our stakeholder groups. I'm involved with that right now. And we're seeing probably a level of interest in what we're doing pretty unparalleled. I think they're, you know, they say accents makes the heart grow fonder. And I think having this 18 month period where people weren't able to do this as, as much as they'd like to, I think we're going to see a, a lot of demand and not just us, I mean, all youth development organizations. I think people realize that the pandemic has had a long-term impact on this generation, Gen Z. And I think everyone's concerned and trying to figure out how do we get these kids the support they need and the, really the, the feeling of hope because they, they had a pretty dismal year and anything we can do to help them, that's certainly going to be a role that we're going to be playing. Well, I've learned a lot here today. Ed. I really appreciate your time. I know you're a busy guy, but uh, a couple things stand out for me is number one is $5 million incredible number of, uh, of young people in this country that junior achievement is impacting positively. Number two, you got 250,000 volunteers, pretty damn amazing. Uh, and you're looking for more, I'm sure. Absolutely. The other thing that you mentioned that you used the word a couple of times through all this, and that is being relevant relevancy. And I, and I think I love the fact that you're hundred, the organization is a hundred years old. You're still agile. You're still nimble. You're looking forward. You know, you're going to change. And, and really what it's all about is staying relevant to both the participants in the program, the junior achievement program participants, and also the business community itself. And that business community is changing rapidly, obviously too. So uh, all kinds of good stuff going on with junior achievement and 
the final number I would throw out there is 105, 105 uh, regional offices. And, and I think if anybody wants to, anybody in the food service and hospitality industry is interested and thinks what Ed has said here this morning is as amazing as I do, I would encourage you to go out and contact them. But Ed, where, what's the address again for the, the uh, parent organization? Yeah, it's ja.org. Pretty simple. Pretty Even food simple. service people can understand that. So, Ed Grakosi, everybody. Ed, any last words that, that uh, you want to offer up about junior achievement, and particularly with, if, with respect to the hospitality and food service trade? Well, first of all, Dave, I want to thank you for this opportunity. Again, I think we're, uh, as an organization, you know, we're, we're always here to partner um, to help business make that connection with education. And, you know, I say we have 105 offices. I know those 105 people who are running those offices. And I know they would be very you know, welcoming to have those conversations and figure out um, how we can partner. If you're a restaurant operator, a hotelier, a senior living center, if you're a uh, business and institutions operator like Sodexo, Compass, whatever, if you're a supply chain participant, whether you're an Edward Don, whether you're a Cisco, whether you're a U.S. food service, whether you're a manufacturer, especially you tabletop manufacturers, take a minute or two and go to ja.org. Find out about Junior Achievement. I think it'll be worth your while. Get involved. Ed, it's been great having you here today. Thanks for joining us and taking time. Thank you very much. That concludes this week's episode of Tabletop Journal's Seat Yourself podcast series. For more news, information, and insights on the hospitality tabletop industry, please be sure to check out www.tabletopjournal.com.